Hello and welcome to Celtic A to Z podcast and we're back for episode R. I'm Jerry, I'm back and I'm here with Mark and Barry. Hi guys. Hi guys. Hi Jerry. Hi Barry. Hi everyone. Um, yeah, so bit of a bit of a struggle last week with Q, but I think we I think we got through it. Um, we actually it actually seemed to go down not bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. And obviously thanks to Nula again for, for being our quiz master. Yeah, it was a return to normality this week. I'm not pleased about that, to be honest. Yeah, but <laughs> did a bit of revision in the books as well after last week's performance. Yes, well, I mean, you won the quiz, Mark, but obviously, we'll yeah, there's, there's, well on your that. <laughs> <laughs> there's very much an asterisk beside. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so a bit, a bit more to talk about this week. Um, a bit more return to normality, uh, which is good. Uh, before we get underway, um, just wanted to give a shout out to to Johnny who uh, got in touch from Australia uh, to say he's uh, enjoying the podcast. He's an expat out there, so, so thanks a lot, Johnny. Um, we've also over the last few weeks we've had a our global <laughs> listener base has been going, and we've we've picked up listeners from Estonia, Liechtenstein, a couple more, you know, in Africa as well, Angola. So. Great to see, love to hear from people all over the world and even, you know, Ireland and USA as well. We've actually got loads of listeners in, in the USA. So, uh, you know, feel free to get in touch, tell us, you know, how we're doing. Uh, you can get us on Facebook or on the email, celticaz at um, Unless so that, you want to criticise, obviously, then don't bother. Yeah, ju- just, just yeah. keep that to yourself, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> of course. We're very sensitive about <laughs> <of> these things. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so episode R um, and, yeah, quite a bit to talk about uh, a lot of players and yeah maybe someone else in there as well uh mark i think we're, we're coming to you first you're going to kick us off yeah th- thanks so much jerry and this week i'd like just to give a a, a birthday shout out uh, to a friend doogie who was a big 6-4 yesterday uh, he's, a, he's a good celtic man so always had a, a nice birthday yesterday and he's looking forward to hearing the podcast with his name check excellent happy birthday doogie, doogie. Yep. <clears throat> you might want to turn off now uh, when I mention my nomination for tonight because it's very controversial. Uh, my nomination tonight, guys, is Brendan Rodgers. I, I, I ducked as I said that. Careful now, careful. I was going to do my wild card as the rat, Mark, so you've kind of stolen my thunder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to be a bit more positive about it tonight. And... I would say I'm I'm just as hurt as anyone else when that when that news story broke that Tuesday morning. I thought it was a wind up, but uh, the way I would try and sell is I don't know if any of you guys like the Smiths. I don't know if you're Smiths fans. I, I like some songs. Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm a. I like the Smiths collectively. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Morrissey is going into a, a, quite a divisive public figure in recent years. But the argument is, would that spoil then what he did with the Smiths? All those great songs he wrote and part of a successful band. So. The idea is try to look at Brendan Rodgers as he was, not as he is. What, separate the art from the artist. Are you trying to you, play no, Brendan Rodgers as that kind of cop? Aye. <laughs> Bear with me. So if you think back to how we felt at the end of 2017 season, invincible treble. You know, it was incredible to talk about the moment you know, when, when Rogic got that winning goal and Barry talks about how emotional he was. That's, that's one, one of the best experiences we've ever had as a Celtic fan, I'm sure. Then the following season, you know, we on, did a double treble. Then after that, you know, we get the League Cup and into the third season. And we played some wonderful football. We were routinely hammered Rangers. You know, it was, if you can imagine a season where you say, I remember that 5-1 game, and you'd say, which one? Uh, yeah. That, I know, that it's <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to focus on the positives because it is, it is still quite painful and it's, it's hurtful that, you know, the way he left us, you know, the... Didn't even get a Dear John letter. It was just a case of, I'm not going to Leicester. Oh, I am. And, he, he, and then he's away. But I'm trying to think, you know, as a Celtic fan, to try and be positive about things and to focus on the good that he did with the club. You know, the seven, seven trophies in a row. And he did set the foundations for the success we were experiencing just now under Lennon, who must take credit for the hard work he did when he came in at short notice. Mm-hmm. If you, if you cast your mind back to how it felt when Ronnie Dyer left that summer, you know, we'd get beaten in the league, uh, the Scottish Cup off Rangers. And that was a sh- shocking defeat. I, mean, I know we drew two each minute in penalties, but they were penalties, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but been, I think if the worry was they, they played us off the park. They passed the ball around us. We were, we were second best. And I think that was a real worry that the club were going backwards and then Dyer leaves. And then the rumours start that Brendan Rodgers is coming in. They, 
to think, you know, you've got a guy who almost won the Premiership in England in this next destination, Celtic. It was exciting. So what was that whole period, like in 2016, like when Dyla, you know, was basically told to leave effectively, uh, when Rogers came in, like the whole atmosphere of the club under Dyla was, it was, it was depressing. You know, the general atmosphere around the club was, you know, it's like we're going to the games, but we're not really enjoying it. Yeah. Um, and then the sea change from when Rogers came in when he got appointed was just night and day. There was such an over atmosphere and a buzz about the club again. I remember the day. It was, it, 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 yeah. I mean, it was almost immediate. You know, he came in. You know, as you said, Jerry, the, the huge crowd that turned out to see him. And then, you're right, Barry, it was just a feel-good factor. You know, just came into the club. You know, it felt as if everything swept away. That, I mean, it's bizarre looking back at a season where you've won the league has been unsuccessful. But considering the fact that we played some pretty turgid football, we went out the cups with a bit of a whimper. And Aberdeen were, were kind of closer than they should have been that season as well. So, you know, he came in and I, I thought we talked about previously Neil coming in. It, it just overnight it felt good to be a Celtic fan again. You know, there was excitement there. There was a, a buzz about the place. So I like to remember those memories of him. Yeah, you know, ha- okay. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. It, it was comparable to Neil coming in. I'll, I'll give you that. There was that kind of vibe about it. I've got to say, at the time, I actually wanted Roy Keane <laughs> as manager. I would say that's just idiotic. <laughs> I was pretty vocal at the time about it. Um, but there's... Uh, right, okay. So his first season, I don't think... You could ask any more of a Celtic manager, frankly. Um, obviously, the invincible season, doing the treble, beating Rangers 5-1 twice. And qualified sure. for the Champions League as well. And we get the Champions League, right? I hadn't been in mm-hmm. for, for a few years. Um, I'm going to come back, pause Europe for a minute, though, because um, I will come back to that. Um, but, yeah, that that's pretty much what you're looking for out of a season as a Celtic fan. It's arguably our second-best season ever. You know, next day. Yeah, I agree six, with that. Six, yeah, seven, I mean, yeah. I, yeah, it's hard to say. I can't think of another season that you'd put up against it. Yeah, uh, and then to 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 next to the following season to again make the Champions League uh, and do another treble is brilliant. And see if Brendan Rodgers had walked away, then he would be a Celtic legend. It's. I don't think he wanted to be there after that. The start of his third season was awful. Um, I, I remember being at the EK Athens game, and I mean there was a there was a bad vibe there, and it had an end of era feel about it even then. And I yeah. know he kind of, I, I, I don't know if he maybe had a change of heart, or maybe thought he was going to work with it, but I think he was always leaving, you know, from from that point, and to walk away when he did. Uh, frankly, I think is unforgivable. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's the part that a lot of Celtic fans can't get over. It's the the timing that he left in March, wasn't it? I think it was was it March? In February. Um, February, yeah, but February. But still, you no, know, two thirds, three quarters of the way through the season, competing for two trophies. The league wasn't one. No, we could easily and have lost that league. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't care what anyone says. I mean, if you if you've got the club's interests at heart, you simply don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's it's that in itself is is too much to get over for me. As I say, had he walked away after his second season, yeah, they'd have been disappointed. But you know what? They'll let him go, and we'll find somebody else. You know, close season, get someone else in. That's absolutely fine. You can change managers. You can change anyone during the summer. Um, you can you can lose your best best player, and you can sign someone else. It, it, that, that happens. The close season is the time to do that. Um, you're right, Barry. I think just doing it when he did is, I, I just can't get past it. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think that's what <clears throat> will disbar him from ever getting, you know, the prodigal son welcome at Celtic Park because you're right. If, he, if he'd said at the end of that season, I've done my time here, I've brought success, I'm looking for something new, you would think, you'd find it hard, but you'd accept it. But the fact that, you know, as a boy, the boy says on a Sunday, I'm not going. Tuesday morning, he's down in Leicester. So, I mean, it, it, it was a real sort of painful wrench, the fact that's a guy who we trusted and put our faith in to just say to walk away. As you're saying, Barry, right at the point where the season wasn't guaranteed, I mean, that team could have collapsed. No, yeah. absolutely. I mean, he, I mean, Roger said afterwards, you know, oh, we'd left him in a good place, eight points ahead. Like, what oh, nonsense. There were still two old bum games to come. We weren't that far ahead by any stretch. No. Um, the way hearts, obviously, like that, that yeah. first game, Lennon came back. And... Uh, Obviously, Lennon was out of work at the time, and I sort of think what would have happened had Lennon 
not been immediately available to step yeah, back I, in. Yeah, I, mean, I don't believe for one second Rogers would have stayed. You know, if there was nobody else to come in, he acted for himself. There was no no thought of the club's interest at all. Yeah, uh, that's the sad things. I think <clears throat> Rogers could have been up there. And we talk about you know Steen as a great Celtic manager ever, and then you're looking at Martin O'Neill, Willie Mayley. And then you've got, I mean, Rogers could have been up there, that sort of parenting, and you know, Celtic greats who would speak about, you know, decades to come, but he's, he's lost that now because the happy memories, which I'm trying to argue, are, are tarnished by the way in which he left. So I, I'm not expecting for a second that anybody will vote for <laughs> Brendan Rogers tonight, but I, I thought it'd be remiss of me, not at least to mention the success he brought, but it's severely overshadowed by the manner in which he left. Yeah. But, but I mean, I must admit, I mean, although I've been harsher on there, I am. <clears throat> kind of conflicted because like you say when it's seven trophies out of seven the thrashings of Rangers two Champions League campaigns albeit they weren't great but we got in we're nowhere near that at the moment yeah let's um, I kind of wanted to talk a a little bit about those Champions League campaigns because those were some of the most dreadful results in the club's history and humiliations really weren't they yeah I don't think that can be uh, overstated frankly um I think PSG, you know, the, the two games against PSG was conceding twelve goals in two games. It's just shocking. That's ah, you should be able to set up a team to not concede twelve goals in two games. That's a nonsense. Mm-hmm. I think that's a record Celtic Park defeat. Um, five now, five now, yeah. And obviously, you know, then seven uh, one in Paris, but the seven nil at Barcelona as well is our. Is a record European defeat. Shambolic. Just concede seven twice. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just, it's just terrible. Um, it, it, I don't think it's too much to to expect him to have a plan for playing against a better team. That means you don't get scalped. You know, it's not know, that difficult. It's a weird situation though, because you've got to give him, you know, compliments for making it, you know, for getting through all those qualifiers. But I think to a certain extent, it just. Was too inexperienced at that Champions League level, and maybe overestimated the quality of his players. But I mean, it wasn't it wasn't good, obviously. Yeah. Um, so that that that's that was always a bit of a black mark for him, um, even when things were going well. Uh, but obviously, you, you probably forgive him that if you go into win a treble every year. <laughs> so um, you know, you, you you maybe pass it off. And yeah, let's be realistic. Europa League is is more our level at the moment. And I kind of get that. Um, I think he, he's, to give him another positive, obviously bringing Moussa Dembele to the club is a masterstroke. Scott Sinclair, I thought it was a great signing too. Um, so that first season, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but you know, on the other side, I guess there's, there's a couple of maybe not so good signings in there as well. Doris De Vries springs to mind. That was um, always a strange one as well, wasn't yeah. it? Uh, Marvin Gordon. Gordon. I know you're not the biggest Craig Gordon fan, but he was clearly better than Doris De Vries. I think. Yeah, it's a bit of an odd one. Um, so yeah, signings were kind of fifty-fifty, I suppose. But um, much. So you got a lot of the players that were already there. I mean, Stuart Armstrong became a player again. You know, when Rodgers came in, as did Scott Brown, because he looked finished. He did. Yeah, that's, um, that's, that's a fair point. Yeah. There was lots of positives in the guys who were already there. That's 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 true. That's that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's I uh, it, I don't really know how history will remember him. It's, the thing is, it's one of these things when it happened at the time, uh, his, na- his name was Mud as far as I was concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, what are we now, you know, a year and a half on? I'm not sure it's softened that much, frankly. Yeah. I, I, well, I think... Think... Oh, so, so the question I would ask you then both is, if we get 10 in a row, then like, no, come May next year, and you know, there's plans to bring players back. Would Rogers be able to come back? That, that, I think that's. I, I don't think he could. I don't think the fans are ready for that. Even in the jubilation of doing that, I, I think he, I don't know what kind of reception he would get. I think I, my instinct would be it would be okay. There would be some booze, but I think people would just be celebrating the achievement and with everybody else. But I think he could probably do it. Yeah, I, on a on a on a David and let's not jinx ten in a row, but. Um, mm-hmm. On a day we went ten road, well, I guess the way things are at the moment, maybe no fans there anyway. <laughs> so probably <laughs> <laughs> bring them or not, it's kind of neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, I think the jubilation of of winning ten in a row 
would probably override any any emotions, but I, I think they would come back fairly quickly um, in terms of what people think of Rodgers. Because uh, like I say, it's just, it's not mellowed at all. In, in these 18 months, you would think you would start to feel a bit better about it, a bit more positive about him, but that's just not happened. Um, I, I think, think maybe, you might be talking about, you know, some decades. I mean, people looking back, looking at a couple of decades time, and maybe weren't going to the games at this time, and maybe don't have that connection with Rodgers that we do. They'll, they'll just see his achievements, they'll see the statistics, you know, the seven trophies out of seven, you know, the great wins against Rangers, and they'll see him as being, you know, an important part of Celtic's history, whereas we don't, because they don't have the baggage that we have with it. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I think that's a fair, fair point, yeah, Barry. Meantime, you know, just that, that personal emotion that we have with, it, you know, other fans that are coming into the game just now might not have, so we, we shall wait and see. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, so, thanks, Mark. I think for for bringing that up. <laughs> I'm just getting on railed up now. I don't <laughs> um, okay. So I'm I'm gonna I'll I'll move us on from Mr. Rogers, uh, the the ex manager, uh, and I I'll talk about um, someone who did shine in that. Uh, well, certainly his first year, um, the, the Invincibles year, uh, and that's the aforementioned Mr. Tom Rogic. Uh, who, I guess, is a bit of an odd one, Rogic, because he's, <laughs> he's about a 70% player, as in he'll give you <laughs> about 70% of the games, he'll give you about even 70% of the games he's in, he'll go off between 60 and 70 minutes. Uh, and that's maybe all, that's the kind of one thing about him that, that stops him from being, I, I think he could have been an absolute superstar. The minutes that he has played for us, and 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 when he has played and he has been fit, he's, he's provided some wonderful memories in the time that he's been here. Um, and he's been with Celtic an awful long time. I know him back to to Melbourne on loan. I think his first like kind of season or two, but I mean he signed in twenty thirteen, so yeah, it's it's seven years ago now. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um. So yeah, obviously went went back out on loan. Um. For I think like a year, twenty thirteen fourteen. It's not really until. 2015-16 that he kind of establishes himself in the team that's the first season he plays you know more than a handful of games um, but from yeah. from there for the next like well five years effectively five seasons you know you're getting maybe 30 odd games a season out of him within there that I mean there, there's some some great memories which I'll come on to in a moment he's a pretty skillful player I think we'll all agree to that he's a very skillful player yeah and this he's got is a beautiful first touch. He certainly does, yeah. He's a and he's a futsal player, like first and foremost. And uh, I mean, I don't. I'm certainly no expert on futsal, but uh, I know from what I do know of it, pretty much like the best players ever were all futsal players. You know, guys like Ronaldo, the other Ronaldo, um, even Pele come back. But modern, you know, Iniesta. Played futsal, uh, Ronaldinho, all, all these guys, they all, you know, started playing futsal first. And a few of them actually say that's their first love. They prefer it football and stuff. <laughs> so I guess it's a wee bit odd. But yeah, so he, he actually has 47 caps for Australia in futsal um, before, or sorry, uh, so he has 47 caps for Australia football team, but he, he has seven caps for Australian futsal team prior to that as well so you kind of started playing that there's always a kind of good sign I think when you get a player who makes that transition because they tend to be pretty good as <laughs> if you look at that list of guys who have came for futsal yeah, in the football there's also something in that that technique that allows you to develop you know your first touch but also playing in tight enclosed spaces finding <laughs> passes you know where there doesn't seem to be any space it, it does seem to help you out I mean I've never played it but I mean, there must be something in it with all these guys have all developed from it. Clearly, yeah. Um, so, yeah, what can I, I guess, like, take you through, uh, Rogic, you know, once he establishes himself in the team, and like I say, it's really that first Rogers season, the invincible season, that you really see the best of Tom Rogic. Um, but possibly the season before that as well, because I guess it's a goal at Kelly, isn't there? Um, yeah. That's, a league goal goal that's, Kramer, yeah. that's maybe his first like, big moment for Celtic. To score, you know, a screamer to clinch the league title. Yeah, that was I mean, that was a huge goal because I remember that day. I think we were playing early in the Saturday, and Aberdeen were playing later that afternoon. And if we'd have dropped points, I think they could have went top. 
and then yeah, and I, we've ended up winning and I think they end up getting beat as it stands um, so ah, they, did, ah, they, <laughs> they went to Motherwell I think I think almost if it, as if it was the they probably expecting us to drop points and obviously the sucker punch I think it had an effect on them but, and that's what Tom Rogers can do isn't it it's just when a game's sort of dying out and nil-nil that's when he grabs that winner so yeah it's good memory that ball it doesn't seem to rise at all it just sort of goes straight into the top corner it's a strange hit yeah <laughs> Barry, that's me surprised you, but I didn't watch the last couple of minutes of that game. I was too annoyed. <laughs> yeah. Emma, Emma, my wife had Never. Kids said, <laughs> so my wife had said, after the kids, like, you enjoy the football, treat yourself. So I was watching the game, kind of shouted myself hoarse. So after a couple of minutes, before I filled out, like, I can't watch watching this. I was thinking, I said, Aberdeen are going to go get points at Fur Park. Anyway, I go upstairs to the, my bedroom, put, I'm throwing washing around, putting it away, not realising that Tom Rogers scored a winning goal. For the next hour and a half, I'm like fuming. I'm like muttering to myself, <laughs> and then I check the table. And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> you like, yeah. legend!" <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Um. Aye. So that, that, that. Well, I mean, that was his like tenth goal that season. So he did. That does no bad. Like that. that that's kind of first season he established himself. But then, say so the sec, the, the next season, the Invincibles one, probably has. He's arguably the standout player on that team. I think in the Invincibles yeah. season. Yeah, you're right. Him, maybe Sinclair. Um, yeah. yeah, but you're, you know he's there, thereabouts. I would say he's in the top kind of, he's in the top few. Uh, yeah, top few in there anyway. Um, and certainly, uh, well, uh, yeah, the two five-one games against Rangers are brilliant. But I think we'll probably agree the the, the absolute defining moment of of that season in the Invincibles is his goal against Aberdeen um, in in the cup final. Oh yeah, I mean we spoke about that before, but just before we come on to that, I mean I'd like to give a wee shout out to the last minute winner at Motherwell in the fourth game. Yeah, the four three game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. That was. I remember we watched that in a pub in the south side, and I went to the toilet, and I think we were losing two one. We came back, and it was like three two. That was like it was just like gold every other minute. That's right. Second. Yeah, yeah. I remember. <laughs> so I was with you on that <laughs> that day. Well, yeah, that was a really crazy game. That, but yeah, he did that. That was that was an off. Yeah, that was a good, that was a fine moment for him. And obviously, he scored in the, the league cup final as well. Um, he did. Yeah, the opening goal. Yeah. yeah so I mean, to, I guess to get goals in both cup finals. Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty good going uh, for the man. So, uh, yeah, but that is a, the goal last minute against Aberdeen to to win the treble to complete the invincible season uh, is is a special piece of of Celtic history, um, and you know he's he's well he's very much deserving of it. It's it's just a wonderful goal. Yeah. Um, it's a great moment, and I guess I get goosebumps every time is. I see it. Or even some of the pictures, you know, because it's like there's great pictures because it's raining. Yeah, and you see it <laughs> dripping down on them, but there's the lights and there's like the lightning in the sky as well. It's just, <laughs> I know, it just, that looks so beautiful. As it, yeah, it's a it's a real special moment, and I, I I'm so chuffed for him because you know that is a that's a genuine piece of Celtic history which will be remembered forever. So if it, if it does, and obviously it's looking like he. He may well have played his last game for us, although we never know. If he is, if he is leaving, that that's you know his moment for Celtic. Um, so played on beyond that. Um, the last couple of seasons, certainly you know we did with some goals. Certainly in Europe as well, a couple of uh, qualifying games I remember, like Astana and, and stuff like that. Uh, he yeah. was but in the second Rogers season. I mean, he scores that goal in three-two game at Ibrox. Yeah, that's right. Absolute well. belter. I mean, they scored in the. The first game I broke in that season as well. We won two nothing. He scored a few against Rangers, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. I mean, a few kind of like big goals in there um, against Rangers and in, in Europe and cup finals. I've always said I like guys who can get those kind of goals. I think I read today as well. He's on of the nine in a row players of this current nine in a row. I think he's ninth on the appearances list. Which yeah. I guess tell you know he's he's kind of obviously been a part of that team for like quite a while. Um, well, like he says maybe so, what seven of the nine years or maybe six possibly because he, he was out on loan. But. Yeah, aye. Uh, so yeah, it's, he, he's certainly done his bit throughout this run and obviously built up quite a few medals there. In fact, I saw which is frankly astonishing. I think his medals tally for Celtic equals that of Henrik Larsson and Paul McStay combined. Trying to get your head around that. 
<laughs> yeah, it's just one of those clocks in the area you're playing in, isn't it? Yeah. Um, sorry for mentioning Paul McStay there, Mark. Do you know who that is? Who's that? Pat? Is that, is that Will McStay's brother? <laughs> that's the very man. Huh? Um, but yeah, so that that's that. You're right. It's a kind of that's a bit of an oddity, isn't it? And there's a few players who are, you know, we spoke about Lustig a few weeks ago, um, being the or having the most medals for an overseas player. Do you know who's second on that particular list and who who may well overtake him? Is Nir Beaton, <laughs> which <laughs> is is just bizarre to think of. Um, but yeah, there we go. Sorry, that's a that's a larger side there, <laughs> the Tom Rogic stuff. Um, but yeah, so you're right. It's just to kind of you know where we are and, and the quirk of what's going on at the moment. Um, but. Tom Rogic, it's largely for that goal against Aberdeen that you know I think he deserves a place. Um, but you know, it, it's just over that kind of five, six-year period, scoring big goals, scoring great goals, just been a real standout player at times for us. Um, I think he deserves to to go on. Well said. Thank you. And that's Tommy Rogic. So uh, Barry, you want to to round us off? Who who are you going for? Yeah. Well. Um... Like you say, R is a bit of a strange letter, so there's not a huge amount. There's quite a lot of players beginning with the letter R, but not that many standouts. So, so when I was looking down the list... Morton Rasmussen? I mean, a few... <laughs> what is that? Uh, Ras- Rasmussen? Like Thomas Runyon? <laughs> yeah. Well, I say, Rodney was not a bad player. Yeah. Um, I mean, he had a good couple of seasons. He, he left because I'm not sure why he left, to be honest. He was one of those guys who just disappeared. But um, yeah. I always thought he was not a bad player. Rasmussen actually, I thought was not a bad player, but turns out never got a chance. Six he? months, I never really yeah. got a chance. It's, and then you've got Barry Robson who had a good couple of years at Celtic. Um, but Hines was a brilliant player. Um, yeah, I always kind of wonder with him, had he have, you know, had he developed earlier and joined a bigger club at a younger age, he would have had a, you know, a more successful career because he was what 29, 30 when he joined Celtic. He was, wasn't he? He, he scored his to first that, touch he... as well. Do you know if you remember <laughs> yeah. that? Come on, as a sub and hit yeah. a free kick, scored. <laughs> Yeah. I think Brad, we bought him from Dundee United before that thing was at Cali Thistle. Yeah, and you're right. He's a very good player. Kind of late bloomer, I guess. Yeah, it's a yeah, bit of an yeah. odd one, wasn't it? But yeah, he was, he was brilliant. I remember him scoring against Barcelona as well. But yeah, I mean, I'm not going to nominate them, although arguably they're maybe, maybe a better player than who I'm going for. But I mean, I've got a lot of fondness for the Centenary team, the 1987-88 yep. team. Um, and part of that team was, was Anton Rogan. Who maybe wasn't the best footballer in the world, but maybe maybe not. <laughs> um, but you know, as I say, that's the scene. It's, it's probably the first season that I really got into Celtic. I mean, obviously far too young to go to games or anything, but it was the first time I became aware of you know Celtic players and their positions. Paul Stay, obviously, but then Billy Stark who played that season, Mick mm-hmm. McCarthy, and you know Matt McGee and what have you, in fact McIverney, and again yeah. Anton Ogan, which is one of those players from that era. Um, who at a young age sort of you know, just climbed onto the name. Joined in March of '86, um, and his debut actually played. You know, Celtic beat Hamlin eight three on his debut um, <laughs> in the 86-87 season. So not a bad, not a bad start. Albeit <laughs> Celtic didn't actually win anything. But then also Billy McNeil comes in as manager the summer of '87, and he's you know him down one wing. I think Chris Morris was the other fullback at the time. Yeah. They signed that summer. Um, and they both had you know, a big impact on that team in terms of creating goals and getting up and down the line. And as you know, Celtic go on, not only did they win the league, kind of almost unexpectedly to a certain extent, um, and won it fairly comfortably with a couple of games to go. Mm-hmm. And then, and then famously, you know, won the, the Scottish Cup against Dundee United um, in May. Kind of fairy tale double, wasn't it? Centenary yeah. double. So, yeah. I mean, I love this this eight Cup final, just you know, the blazing sunshine on the TV. Yeah. It seems like such a warm day, and then. To win it, will be almost the last kick of the ball from McAvaney. It's just you know, such a great memory. And Anton Ogham was very much a full part of that. Yeah, he was, yeah. yeah. And then the following season, obviously not quite as good, but they still managed to win the Scottish Cup in 89. Yeah. And beat Rangers in the final, which you can't argue. And again, you know, it was a, a big part of that team. And then, I've gone over this lots of times, but the Celtic team kind of falls apart for the next eight years, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And the next yeah. couple of years, he's you know just one, just another guy um, struggling to to progress. The Celtic team's sort of in decline, not really signing anybody. We can't keep up with Rangers. Yeah, but I mean, so but it's funny because there's a couple of quite young at the time, but 
couple of standout moments where I do remember Celtic back then and Rogan's very much a part of it. Um, the well, the Scottish Cup final 1990 against Aberdeen. Um, yeah. obviously the, That's the kind of what he's remembered for, isn't it? Missing that penalty, but it's kind of harsh. Yeah, oh, uh, come on, of course it is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's, um, like, it's not like he's missed the first penalty, it's like 9-8. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> I like know. <laughs> I know, he was one of the last guys we wanted to hit in a penalty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, but the other one, which I think we, we spoke about a few weeks ago, was against... Rangers, the game that was on the telly, the three 0 game. Yeah, yeah, So that's uh, and he also uh, sets up nice a goal. He sets up the second goal in that game as well, and also has a goal line clearance to stop Rangers from scoring. So very yeah. much man of the match that day. Yeah, so you're right. I mean, as as I say, just growing up watching Celtic, those things that stuck in your mind, good and bad. He's he's in that team, and you know he's about yeah. that team. So as it's, it's and it's obviously good to talk about a different era as well. Um, yeah, I mean, he was a hard worker. This is Henley, we're not the best player in the world. There was a few, you know, few mistakes in there. Um, but I mean, so much everybody else in the Celtic team at that point. Brady comes in and he's what he was doing. <laughs> um, and then obviously I had to get sold. But interestingly, he joins um, Sunderland in 91 and they go on to make the FA Cup final in 92. Um, and he's part of that team that makes the FA Cup final. Unfortunately, they get beat by Liverpool, but I mean, there's no shame in that. Um, no. Mm. Um, so, I mean, a couple of picked up, you know, a league championship medal with Celtic, a couple of Scottish Cup winners medal, runners-up FA Cup medal in 92. It's not, it's not a bad a career, yeah. I must admit, I didn't actually realise where he'd went after Celtic. Mm. Um, As I say, he also had quite a, a lengthy international career with Northern Ireland. I mean, he was a guy who took a lot of stick for playing for Northern Ireland, well, you know, from their own supporters. Um, they played with him for, you know, almost 20 years. Yeah, I was kind of—I must admit—I was kind of wondering about that. Um, obviously, it's I've been quite young at the time, so and he's probably not as high profile as Neil Lennon, or maybe I just was more aware of it at that point. But yeah, I was kind of—I must admit—it did kind of cross my mind. I wonder how he got on playing for Northern Ireland as a Celtic player. So yeah, I mean, a Celtic player as a Catholic from West Belfast, and he, I mean, he took—he took a problem from his own support. I mean, he talks about time warming up. You know, and the, the Northern Ireland supporters are you know, saying, clap your hands if you hate Anton Rogan. You know, he's come on and play for them. There's the guy who's giving his all to try and win a football match. Yeah. I was reading quotes from saying, you know, he never even really thought about playing for the Republic of Ireland. You know, he was born in Belfast and that was it. You know, he played for Northern Ireland, which is quite unusual these days. Most of these boys are getting impression trying to play for the Republic now. But yeah, um, I wouldn't fall him for one second for playing for Northern Ireland. You know, the same way that you know, Martin O'Neill did and... You know, Neil Lennon did. Just yeah, this. Yeah, at that true. time, people weren't, you know, intelligent enough or mature enough to appreciate a guy doing his best for them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit sad to say. Obviously, we talked about yeah. it with Neil Lennon. Um, yeah, it's not kind of sad that happens. Uh, but yeah. yeah, no, Anton Rogan, he's, you're right, he was always going to end around the team when I started watching Celtic. So he's always. Yeah. And I mean, he's probably the polar opposite of Tom Rogic um, <laughs> in terms of vulnerability you know, and how he used the ball. But. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, anyone who's part of the centenary team is a, a bit of a hero for me, so that's why I'm nominating him. Excellent. That's okay. I think I there's a lot of fondness for Anton Rogan as well. He's still, he's still sort of spoken about fondly as well, because I think people recognise him. He was a good servant to the club, you know, and he was part of that, that amazing 87-88 centenary. So yeah, good shout, Barry. Cheers. Excellent. Okay, um, so three quite different pitches this week then, for, for different reasons. Um I'll I'll go first. Let's see how we're going to go on this. I, I, there's there's just no way I'm I, I'm going to vote for Brendan Rodgers. So. I could have picked any Celtic player. I'm could have been <laughs> yeah. Listen, literally I could have wrong there. Yeah, I mean that we could have been down that list of ours, <laughs> throwing somebody in. But yeah, it's it's Anton Rogan for me all day long. <laughs> Barry? <laughs> um, yeah, oh, um, for similar reasons, I can. I mean, I think time Rogers will be remembered as a Celtic great, but it, um, I just can't go over what he did at the time that he did. Um, so, and also, I, in truth, I'm a big, big fan of Tom Rogic. Yeah. That moment where he scored that cup final goal will stay with me forever. The guy scores last minute goals and scores in big games. 
the whole thing about him being a 70-minute player, I've always found a bit harsh, I must admit. Um, I think a lot of times he gets subbed because managers just wanted to change it up and he looked a bit more tired than maybe what he was. But, yeah, I mean, I'm more for Tom Roger because I think it's just a class football and a joy to watch. Here's Barry. Uh, Mark, so it comes down to your, your good self. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got to be Tom Rogic for me as well because, as Barry said, he's, he's an entertaining player to watch. And he's chipped in with some really important goals over his time at Celtic. So, yeah, it's got to be Tom Rogic. Cool. Correct answer, Mark. Well done. OK, cheers, guys. Uh, so, Tom Rogic is going to go in to our A to Z uh, for the player. OK, so we move on with our uh, wild cards this week. And just a reminder, this is anything at all um, which relates to Celtic, any kind of artefact or song or movement or <laughs> whatever else and we've got, a, got some very different ones this week coming up so um, I'm, I'm going to kick us off first and I'm going to do a bit on the club records so like Celtic FC records um, and I kind of want to do this for, for a couple of reasons firstly there's a bit of fun I'm going to challenges on on a couple of these guys see if you if you know some of this stuff Um but also, I just think there's some amazing records which have been set at Celtic, Celtic-owned club records, but also Scottish records and indeed some European and even world records in there as well. So uh, I think it's it's worth highlighting some of this stuff. So let's uh, let's start at the, at the, at the top. Um, most appearances for Celtic. Do you know who that is? Fairly obviously. Billy McNeil. Of course it is, yeah. Billy McNeil, 822 games, which is a hell of a lot of games. Although I think we should, I'm going to mention Alec McNair in there as well, who obviously we got pulled up for not speaking about on our Mick episode, because he is our longest serving player with uh, 21 years at the club, uh, as oh, was pointed out, 1904 and 1925. And as we alluded to last week, talking about Jimmy Quinn, wasn't as many games back then. So, it's probably not unreasonable that he might have actually had more cat, or more sound cat, more more appearances than McNeil had he been playing in a different era. Yeah, so there's no European football or League Cup. No, there's only about you know twenty games a season in the league. You know, for, for the early part of that as well. So, but you know, he's 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 in he's in the list. I think he's. Uh, He's about 10 or 12 or something on the last 583 appearances, so obviously still putting a shift in those 21 years. Um, okay, so so Billy McNeil obviously takes out, he takes the most Scottish Cup appearances, most League Cup appearances as well. Do you know who the most European appearances is? I do, it's Scott Brown. Of course it's Scott Brown, well done Barry, I'm getting good at this. Uh, 118 games in Europe for us, so fair play to, to Bruni. Youngest player? To score or to make an appearance? Uh, both. Well, Jack Aitchison, wasn't he? He was the youngest player to score a couple of years back. Yeah, exactly, Mark. Well done. Uh, 16 years and 71 days, which is pretty young. <laughs> um, is he still at the club? Question, but did he not go on loan? Yeah, he's on loan at Forest Green Rovers. Right, okay. Um, so, yeah, where he was last season, I don't know if he still is, but um, yeah, so he's still still on the books. Um maybe like 20 now. Yeah, well, that was 2016, so yeah, he'd be 20 now. So yeah, getting on. It's it's getting to kind of decision time for him, isn't it? Yeah. Um, okay. The oldest player to play for us was the aforementioned Ali McNair. Played till he was forty-one. Here's an interesting one. The oldest player to make his debut for us. Any ideas that? Right. I, I know who this is actually, but only because I seen it earlier on today. By <laughs> Uh, Dion Dublin Dion it? Dublin yeah very close uh, right Mark but yeah Dion Dublin 36 years 296 days so yeah I mean he was almost 37 when he made his debut was his debut not against Rangers as well it was but... it was against Rangers because well done Barry yep. um, yeah so that's uh, I guess some of the players going on to goals obviously Jimmy McGrory we spoke about um, takes pretty much all the goal scoring records most European goals probably Henrik surely it's Henrik, 35, well done. Most goals in one season again, Jimmy McGrory, 62 in one season. It's crazy stuff. Most goals in a match, Jimmy McGrory, eight goals in one game. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, do you know who scored the most goals in a European match? It's quite a famous one. I'll, I'll put you in your misery there. Uh, and the listeners a clue? <laughs> um, 
So it was in 1989. Oh, Jack Anowski. Jack Anowski, well done. Four goals against Partizan Belgrade. We still went out that night, I believe. It's <laughs> 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 um, so a bit of a joker for him. Fastest goal, which I actually didn't know. Do you know, it was only seven years ago, the fastest ever goal for Celtic. Is it Chris Commons? Chris Commons, well done. 12 Is seconds that against him. That's it, yeah. Uh, 12 seconds scored against Aberdeen that day. I must have had, I didn't actually realise that, but there you go. Um, okay, so going on to some international records here, right? Uh, and I think we had this a few weeks back, uh, maybe a few months back now. Most international caps, whilst the Celtic player? Oh, was it Packy Bonner, wasn't it? It's Packy Bonner, yeah, well done. Um, do you know who's the most capped player to play for Celtic? Obviously, not winning all their caps whilst at Celtic. I would I, I think it was maybe Henrik. No, close. It's uh, Robbie Keane, 143 oh, caps for Ireland. Um, some interesting ones there. So, Henrik, he holds a record for most World Cup goals while a Celtic player. Do you know who holds a record for most World Cup appearances while a Celtic player? Would be Packy Bonner. Uh, it's Packy Bonner, well done. Ah, yeah, right. So yeah, obviously um, nine appearances for Ireland between 90 and 94 World Cups. So yeah, there we are. First Celtic players at the World Cup were Willie Fernie and Neil Mochan uh, for Scotland in 1954. Uh, do you know who the first Celtic players at a European Championship were? Oh, would it be a Scottish player? No. Oh. Three players made their debut in this... Uh, or, sorry, three players... Played in this match, it was, it's Ireland, England in 1988. Packy Bonner, oh, Mc, like Mc McCarthy, and Chris Morris. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. Do you know who the first Celtic player to score at a European Championship was? You might get this. McStay? It is McStay, well done. Scotland against, against the Russia. CIS. Uh, yep, oh, yeah. that's right. 92. Um, Larson picks up a couple more records there. Most European Championships appearances while a Celtic player and most goals. Uh, so, uh, four goals for Henrik in European Championships while a Celtic player. And he transfers some int- Obviously, I assume he's no um, record transfer fee. Oh, oh, Eddie. Of course it is, yep. And received. Kieran. Uh, yeah, it is, yeah. Um, interestingly, so the record transfer fees paid, right? Um, ten, the 10 players who are in that list, our top 10 record transfer fees, Six of them are actually first-team players at the moment. Edward, Julian, Scott Brown, Ajeti, Barkas, and Cham. And Neil Lennon's in there as well. He's the manager. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that is, it's kind of odd that, you know, we maybe think we had, obviously we threw about a lot of money on guys like Sutton, Hartson, Lennon, Raphael, <laughs> you know, yeah. way back in the day, Berkovic. But, um, yeah, some are... Our biggest signings are actually playing for us at the moment, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's that big gap. I mean, from Anil's what second season after they signed Hartson, we didn't really spend any money for another 15 years. So really, yeah. like, Some interesting ones here. So, this is first match, right? First match we know uh, probably is, is against Rangers, the friendly 5 2 game. Do you know who we played in our first European match? Do you know when that would have been? I had to do that again because I, I seen this earlier on today. <laughs> uh, so, I'll let Mark go, I guess. <laughs> Oh, so they've been in the what early sixties? It was nineteen sixty-two. Is we were in the first hey, cup. No, no, close. I guess it's a decent guess as any, but it was Valencia. <laughs> Wasn't it that close? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I don't. Um, God, is it some of our games? Record win, Mark. You you got this right last week, I believe, in the quiz eleven nil. Uh, so well done. Record European win is nine nil against a team from Finland, Coca-Cola, nineteen seventy. Um, record defeat is against Motherwell 8-0 <laughs> uh, back in 1937 uh, record European defeat as we spoke about earlier on 7-0 against Barcelona just a few years ago um, lose 8-0 in Motherwell who does that I don't know what was going on there who knows <laughs> I mean, Celtic won the championship in 36 and again in 38 so we're always a decent side <laughs> uh, I'll, go, I'll, I'll wind this up now because as I say I mean I, I could talk all night with records and statistics and stuff like that but um, I'm going to wind up with, with, with a couple of my favourite ones and a couple of ones which actually Celtic hold the records for um, you know which are brilliant we have uh, the UK record for uh, longest unbeaten run which was 69 games 
which was in that man Rogers' time at the club. So I guess fair play to him on that front. Sixty-nine games unbeaten um, from May 2016, December 2017. Um, pretty impressive. Unlikely. We probably should have mentioned that earlier on. We probably should have mentioned it earlier on, yeah. I don't think <laughs> I was going to sway your opinion too much. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have, no. <laughs> um, I, I'm not convinced that's that's going to get beaten in my lifetime. No, uh, I don't think games. Um, that's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, so th- th- that, that's a British record. We've got a couple of European records as well. Um, the fastest hat trick ever in European football. Do you know who that Mark was? Mark Burchill. Yeah, Mark Burchill. Yeah, that's I was there that night. Do you know really? The basically had kicked off and it was like, is that another goal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he was going after that. Yeah, he scored a hat trick in uh, in three minutes. <laughs> astonishing, isn't it? Um, yes, yeah, so that's, that's a European record, the fastest hat trick. We hold another European record um, and this is our, I've often seen our record home attendance given as a paltry 83,000, which is frankly way off the mark. Um, our record home attendance is 133,961. It's the semi-final of the European Cup in 1970 against Leeds United. We won 2-1. The game was played at Hamden because they moved yeah. it from Celtic Park because obviously they could have sold out Celtic Park twice. Um, so yeah, it was still our home game. Um, and yeah, I mean, always 134,000 people. It's crazy. That's a European record um, for a, a, UEFA, a match in UEFA competition. Just think about that 133,000 people. <laughs> that again. It's crazy, isn't it? Um, yeah. Um, and I've perhaps the, the best for last, um, which is a world record we hold. Um, and it's a world record for the total number of goals scored in a single season. Um, and that was that 1966-67 season the Lisbon Lions scored 196 goals that season incredible <laughs> so is, that, is that in, in every game is that yeah so uh, it's every like, like, like league, league Cup Scottish Cup Europe yes. like, combined 196 goals uh, in a season so um, thought maybe we could end on that one that's that's pretty almost 200 goals <laughs> not bad going pretty good yeah, uh, so that's um, some Celtic records for you. Um, okay, a little bit of a, <laughs> as uh, my my own field of statistics, I love talking about this kind of stuff. So I won't um, I won't go on uh, too much longer. But yeah, I just wanted to highlight some of those. And well done, to be fair, you've actually got most of the ones I threw at you there. So it's a fair play. Yeah, uh, we had to improve from last week. So <laughs> that's it. You've obviously <laughs> been swatting up. <laughs> Uh, now, I know you guys are probably talking about something a wee bit more uh, interesting, so I will pass over now. Mark, I think you're, you're taking it on next. Thanks, Jerry. So, you may remember there was a, a quote in 2015 from Peter Lawwell when he said that Celtic had never been associated with republicanism or had they ever been a republican club, and quite quickly people were you know, wanting to re-educate Peter Lawwell on, on his, his knowledge of the history of the club. So t- tonight, I'm going to nominate republicanism under the letter R. And, and I'd like to clear it, when I talk about republicanism, I, I mean it in the broadest sense of a nation or a group of peoples having the right to rule themselves, having a government of their own choosing. So that's when we talk about republicanism. It's that idea, it's not like kind of the French revolutionary or American revolutionary idea that people have the democratic right to, to look after themselves. Um, yeah. So that, that, that's it. I think... You know, Celtic are very proud of their Irish roots. You know, we were founded by Irish people and those of Irish descent who'd come to Scotland in the years after the famine and, in the late, and also in the late 19th century. It's the reason the club exists at all. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's be honest. We're yeah. fair about it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we know that the, the whole thing about, you know, Celtic or Celtic, the idea was it was that bridge between the two Celtic peoples in Scotland and Ireland. And we are a club, you know, that although we've got a proud roots in Ireland. We were a club that's open to everyone, so I, I like to think anyone of any nationality or any creed can come and follow Celtic and be just as much a fan as anyone else. There's no hierarchy of, you know, fans are better because of this background or that. You know, we're all important. If you're a Celtic fan, we're all the same. Absolutely. So going back to this about republicanism, it's quite a sensitive topic, but it's undeniable that when Celtic was founded in 1888, we were done primarily there as a, as a way of providing meals for the, the poor children of the East End of Glasgow. But I think in a way it was also a sense of pride that Celtic very quickly became a totem for the people of, of Glasgow and of Scotland 
fight to say because there's something to have a bit of pride in. You know, they came from a country which had been battered for centuries. All of a sudden, there was a team that was like highly successful. There was a, a rallying point for them. It's interesting because you look over in the states as well. I mean, you think you've got the Boston Celtics that are founded by Irish immigrants as well, mm. and then you've got Notre Dame. So this idea that Irish people tended to put their energies into being successful in their new home countries, but also having a sporting identity as well to, to channel their success into. Yeah, the, we, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about Celtic Park Paradise in the eighteen ninety two when the new pitch was laid. Michael Davitt came over and laid a, a sod of Donegal earth in the centre circle. Uh, that that'd be the club just as I suppose of Jerry Adams coming over and putting some new turf down in Celtic Park because Michael Davitt was a, a senior figure in the Irish Republican Brotherhood. He'd, he'd served time in prison for a dynamite campaign in England. So quite quite a controversial choice looking back. Yeah. <laughs> but at, at the time in Celtic were, were closely linked with the Irish Republican movement in the sense that they a lot of the leading figures in the club were passionate supporters that Ireland should be ruled by the Irish. And it wasn't about a still to any other country. The idea was it was only fair that country should be governed by its own people. And so you had Michael Davitt, who was invited over to lay the sod. And there's also Pat Welsh, who'd been a member of the Irish Republican Brotherhood, who'd come to Ireland, uh, from Ireland to Scotland. It's an interesting story that actually Willie Maley's dad, who was a serving soldier, had once captured him, but had, had, had let him go on the basis that Pat Welsh said he would be a reformed character. <laughs> um, and, and years later, Pat Welsh was part of the delegation that came to the Mealy home to convince Tom to sign for the club and also anniversarily asked Willie to join. He became a Celtic legend. So, so, from the so was Welsh part of like, the Celtic board then? Was it, he was, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure what his official title was, but certainly I mean, he was closely involved with, with John Glass and a lot of the, the people who were basically on the committee who had founded Celtic. Mm-hmm. In, in 1896, there was a, Michael Davitt held a three-day conference in Dublin an opportunity for people who were all supporters of Irish nationalism and republicanism to, to gather, to basically formal, formulate an idea. Because it's interesting around that period, that's where you've really got this rebirth of Irish national identity in the sense that there's a big growth and people want to, to learn Gaelic, you know, to just discover their roots. And there's only one sporting organisation through the whole Irish diaspora who sends a delegation and it's Celtic. No other organisation, no sporting organisation sends a delegation other than Celtic. And it's attended by, you know, John Glass is there, uh, Willie Maley's there, alongside Pat Welsh. So you know, these were people at the very heart of the club that, that were involved there. And so that, that was what I sense that it, it would be false to say that Celtic had no part in Irish Republicanism. We were at the forefront of it, you know, in the, the late 19th, early 20th century. You, you know, the, the tricolour that we used to fly from Celtic Park was gifted to us by Dave Valera. Yeah. So it's, it's undeniable that we've got strong links to Irish nationalism um, and Irish republicanism. Um, we, we obviously, the word nationalism has got connotations as well, but again, it's, when we use that term, it's a sense that a country having its right to, of self-determination, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so that, that's the idea of that quote that came out with nothing to do republicanism wasn't entirely true. Um, well, I mean, it's just wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think you know, Celtic have always said... We shouldn't be embarrassed about the, the fact that you know we we're, were a club founded by these people in, in Scotland. Yeah, that that's what I did tonight. Was that it's not, it's not a dirty word, and it's not something we should try and hide as part of our history because it's an important part of our foundation. Yeah, well, I, I I think you're right, Mark. I think it has a a place in in the history and culture of the club. Yeah, I, I think historically you're right. Our links with Irish republicanism cannot be denied and should not be denied or forgotten um, because it's you know, it's part of the reason the club exists at all. So, I mean, the key point for me is that, Mark, the first point that you made about Celtic as a club open to all, it always has been, it always should be, and you're right, yeah. there's no hierarchy in terms of, you know, the supporters and who's more of a supporter than anybody else, but at the same time, you can't rewrite history. Celtic's history does involve elements of Irish Republicanism, the Michael Davis story, Mr. Welsh, and we shouldn't try and deny these aspects. Of course, you know, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. No, cheers to that, Mark. Uh, no, that was, that was really good. Nice wee bit of history in there as well. So, always like to hear that. Uh, Barry, what, where are you taking us now? <laughs> right, okay. Well, mine kind of naturally flows on from Mark's <laughs> discussion. Um, so, it's a lot bit controversial again. So, one of the most common phrases you'll hear from a lot of Celtic fans is, Get on the Rebs. <laughs> you that? Get the Rebs on. Yep. <laughs> and support uh-huh. buses okay. um, all over the country. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm nominating 
Rebel Songs um, as my R nomination. And really just so we can have a bit of discussion about is it still appropriate for still to be singing these songs at the games um, or uh, and outside of the games as well. Yep. I mean, I was first introduced to, to Rebel Songs probably when I was 15. It was really the first I first started going to the games every week. Um, yep. I remember I got a tape actually from a friend in school. Um, it was like an old copy, like an actual cassette tape for the younger people. Um, I have like a dodgy copy of, of a Wolf Tones gig from probably ah, yeah. 20 years before it, you know. I think that was my first one as well, yeah. And it's a very similar story, guy in school. <laughs> so if they can't listen to this, you Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm, no, just, I'm laughing because obviously I, I'm just thinking about the choice I'm going to have to make in a minute. <laughs> Rebs and Republicanism. <laughs> It's <laughs> yeah, like carry on, buddy. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying, yeah. So I mean, as I say, I started getting the supporters bus all the time, and quickly realised, you know, this was a part of being on supporters bus. These songs were sung to and from the games, but well, from the bus that I got anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know it's exciting, you know, a bit of a sort of a bit of a gang culture. Everybody's singing these songs. I think some ways quite aggressive songs, but other things, you know, just sort of celebratory. Um, right. But I mean, I quickly started to, you know. You know, you learn all the words and you, you learn them with your mates and, you know, it becomes a bit of a party almost without really thinking about it too much at that age. Yeah. Right. So you, you've touched on a couple of things in there. I, I've kind of, I've, I've got a fairly liberal stance on this. Frankly, I think people should be allowed to sing whatever they want. <laughs> and that doesn't just go for Celtic, it goes for other clubs too. Um, I am of the opinion that offence can only be taken, not given. Um rightly or wrongly, that's just kind of the way I perceive it. Um, I would also say what, what you kind of just mentioned there, Barry, but yeah, they're, they're maybe intimidating and, you know, they're kind of fun to be a part of. There is that, you know, it's almost kind of gang culture. But I think that's, I don't know, in my mind, that that's part of sport. That's part of competition. Yeah, exactly. It, it, yeah, from old school football, if you like. You know, it's something yeah. that we've been lost in modern football, but certainly... Going as a group, you know, with your mates and, and singing the same songs together, um, is, is certainly part of that experience. Yeah, I, I would, I would say, but I, I think that same experience as probably you guys did. You know, I grew up, my mum and dad listened to you know, things like the Dubliners and the Clancy Brothers, and then as you get a bit older, you know, stuff. But I always think if you sing these songs, you've got a responsibility. I think then to understand what the songs are about and what they mean, mm. and, and to understand the history, because I think it would be disingenuous to sing these songs without actually realizing. These are real life events which still have an impact on people as well. And I wonder sometimes that these songs, if people sing them, they actually understand what they're singing about. And I think yeah. that comes from, mm-hmm. from a lot I mean, of sides. I remember, I mean, this is like 20 years ago, but I mean, I used to go to, you know, challenge the voice gigs at the Barrowlands. I went to see the Wolf Tones once at the Barrowlands. I mean, and they're, I mean, they were party gigs, don't get me wrong. I mean, and I enjoyed them at the time. But I mean, I've never been back since in 20 years, I must admit, which probably tells you something. Um, you get banned? Um, you're right I've been to a couple as well and they're good fun Uh, there's there's no denying it I think you're right I think there's a responsibility to know uh, what songs are about and frankly if if you know about a song and Mm -hmm. uh, you you should know what a lyric's about before you sing it I think you should Um, it's, it's kind of down it says it's a personal thing. If if you feel comfortable with it, then by all means join in. If you don't, then you know you don't need it. That's entirely up to you. I'll say there there's songs that I'll never join in with, mm. um, and not I, I'm not even sure. There's not even so much the rebel songs. I don't like songs about about dead people. About you know singing about people's deaths. I think that's kind of out of order. I also yeah. don't I don't like songs about people's wives. Um, I think that's kind of out of order too. So those, to be honest, I find more offensive than rebel songs or indeed, you know, political songs or, or other things like that. Um, I, I think those are far more in bad taste uh, than, than rebs. Absolutely. I think as well, you, you talk about the rebs, there's always this almost kind of fabled list of songs which are acceptable and ones which are not acceptable. No yeah. one's ever really agreed no. on the judiciary, you know, what is... I mean, my view I mean, I is... mean I'm sure we've all got... I mean, I don't mind mentioning a couple of my favourite songs in terms of... <laughs> I was hoping you know, we'd go there, Barry. Yes, let's do yeah. this. <laughs> so, 
mean, I mean, I'll, probably my favourite Rebel song is Come Out You Black and Tans, which is almost a very historical piece, and it's a real life thing. You know, people actually, um, you know, being intimidated in their own country. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason I love that song so much, though, is it's musically because of the rhythm of the song in terms That's of actually playing song, it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think those songs are actually, they're good tunes. I mean, what I would say is that I'm going to sound like a sort of musical snob here, but I prefer kind of older Rebel songs, like uh, A Nation Once Again and Rod McCorley. And, and I do think, if you, yeah, I, I never wanted to say to the guys at Supporters Bus that you should all be singing things like uh, from the 98 Uprising and the Young Irelanders because they deserve just as much credit as other people if I thought I'm going to have a conversation with drunk guys and a bunch yeah. of them after in the afternoon but yeah. if you're going to sing you should sing all of them because there's like some good ones and and one of the arguments that I've put forward as well is that we talk about a rebel song rebel songs aren't just Irish songs I mean the, the Marseille is is a rebel song of course it is yeah. uh, yeah. it's from French Revolution The Stars and Stripes is a song about Americans fighting invading British Army in the war 1812 so yeah. You know, a rebel song can quite easily become a national anthem, depending on. Yeah. Is Flower of Scotland a rebel song? I mean, we grew up in the west of Scotland, though. So, I mean, these these songs that we're talking about, you know, like Come Out You Back in Tans or The Broad Black Brimmer or Boys of the Old Brigade. Oh, now you're talking about The Broad they, Black Brimmer, yep. <laughs> yeah, but they have. <laughs> people see these songs as almost being, you know, um, illegal almost. Um, and in certain cases, they have been in terms of, you know, um, certain legislation which has been revoked, but it's. <laughs> I would say they have different the meanings. Rather than what's in the lyrics, people perceive them in his country different ways, regardless of what's actually yeah. in the yeah. content I mean, of the song. They're, they're not sectarian in any way, yeah. because yeah. some of the great, some of the greatest figures in Irish history have been people who were not, you know, what you class. They were, they were like, you know, the Anglo-Irish, or like, you know, the, the songs aren't saying about religion; they're singing about a cause of freedom. So I think it's. Roman people yeah. say they're sectarian. They're not sectarian. People might question why they've been stuck at a football game. That's, that's maybe a different, different discussion. But it's a, it's, they're never sectarian. You know, people. Some people might find them offensive, which is understandable. You know, from certain backgrounds. But they're never meant to be religious. Well, I no. suppose that's really what this comes down to, isn't it? I mean, really, it's, it's, should you only sing football songs at a football game, or, or, or is there a place for historical stroke political songs? Um, <sighs> Or do we do we just say no? We should only sing football songs. I I think there's arguments for both. I, I mean, I can I would, see the I, argument. Yeah, I would but, maybe argue, yeah, that is there a place for certain songs at a football game? But see, when I'm at the game, and as the songs start getting sung, I, I, I tap my toes to them. So I'm happy to <laughs> because I might question why they've been sung, but I, I wouldn't necessarily join in because I'm a grown up now. But uh, those days are in the past. But it's a tricky one, isn't it? Are you I kidding? <laughs> I think what you'd say is that there's nothing wrong with celebrating the history in your culture. That, that's, I think that's okay. And if that takes a form of being at a football ground or in a house with your friends, that, that, that's fair enough. You know, yeah. if that's something that is part of your culture, then that's okay. And I, I suppose in a way, sometimes when I look at you know, the West of Scotland, Barry, you know, we've got our issues. But that's why sometimes I don't get too annoyed by, you know, people wanting to have certain types of parades because in their view, that seems to celebrate their culture. So, as you said, Jerry, it's a lot of ideas that we should let people do, you know, what's right within within limits. So yeah, um, we can't. Do, and do you know what? For balance, much. I'm going to. So you you've missed out what I would say my favourite rebel song is, and that's the Foggy Dew, um, which maybe goes on those more historical ones you're talking about, Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, very tuneful as well, wonderful song. Yeah. But for balance, I'm also going to throw in. I think it's Sash, the cracking song. <laughs> <laughs> and I've absolutely no issue with people singing that uh, either. So um, I, I, I don't know. Like I say, it doesn't offend me. I, I appreciate, uh, as I said before, offences to be taken, not given. So if if people find it offensive, that's kind of that, that, that's that's up to them. The I think the more interesting debate is: do they have a place at football grounds? Should football grounds just be for football songs? Well, like I say, it's, it's kind of impinging on people's rights, I think, if you're starting to tell them what they can and can't yeah. sing and shout and stuff. So I, I, I don't like anything like that, I think. I, I'd be sad if we, had, if we entered into that level of censorship at the club. Yeah. Just be another example of sort of modern stereo football. I like the fact that it's a bit broader and people can express themselves at games. Um, I, I completely agree, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I think there's, I, I'm more than happy to hear 
<laughs> Rebs. <laughs> Get on the Rebs. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, when, yeah. You, when, you, when you talked about the Sash, there have been a good tune. Uh, Matt, Matt uh, McGinn once said a great thing. He, he blended the words of Kevin Barry with the tune of the Sash. Uh, <laughs> right. I think he did it basically to say that both sides are the same in the sense that they celebrate their history and, and their victories, you know, so we're, we're yeah. not that different. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, it's historic, it's fine. Um, the Saw Doctors do a really good version, which is called The Hash My Father Smoked, <laughs> 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 which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so like I say, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of okay with anything, and you know, a good tune's a good tune, and if it's well written, it's good, good lyrics, and you can commemorate whatever, whatever you want. Um, where I draw the line, as I say, is 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 is. is dead people and, and people's wives. Yeah, I think when it becomes personal, even if like, you don't like, there's, there's there's no excuse for, you know, bringing their family into it, or as you say, people have passed away, that's just a, a level of nastiness which you want to kind of keep out of the football. Mm-hmm. And and there's plenty of good songs, you know, that we can sing alternatively as well, so. I'm glad you brought it up. I'm glad, I wasn't sure how, when you told me what you were doing this week, I was, I was a wee bit <laughs> skittish about it, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> no. legal advice? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think we've, uh, we've kind of just a bit kept hold on it. So, uh, uh, well done, guys. Yeah. And I mean, there's no reason why you can't have an adult discussion about these things. I mean, it's of course, part of... yeah. Exactly, yeah. Because it is. It's, it's on the table. This is all things yeah. Celtic. So, yeah, it's there. Um, and we've, we've done that. And now I have the impossible choice to make between republicanism and rebs so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna put records and <laughs> yeah that's oh, it <laughs> i know you, you bottled it you i did yeah <laughs> properly bottled it so uh yeah club records are going in i'm afraid jerry <laughs> the right songs about you as we speak <laughs> yeah uh okay brendan rogers <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, well okay so there we go so we've got um tom rogich and we've got uh, Celtics club records going into the A to Z this week. Uh, that was good, guys. I enjoyed that. Thanks a lot. We'll be back next week for if I can remember my alphabet. It's S. Correct <laughs> me if I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> You've got it right this week. I got it right this week. Yeah. Uh, so S, quite a lot. Obviously, there's a, there's a very obvious honorary pick going in there. I think. You're uh, Slayer. <laughs> yep, that's the man. <laughs> <laughs> that's the man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll have a. We think about that. We'll, we'll see who we come up with for next week. But uh, yeah, no, that was good. Uh, uh, appreciate your time, guys. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Thanks, everyone. Bye.